here comes a new challenger. From 8-bit to 35mm, game pads to the silver screen, your favorite video game characters are on a quest to become movie icons. Can they unlock the achievement? Let's go for broke! It's time to press X to reload. Push that wreckage off the deck. Hey everybody, welcome back to Press X to Reload, where we jump in the cockpit, strap in, and fire off to find the best video game film adaptations that we can, hoping to avoid black holes and other such things. Maybe black holes shaped like Double Dragon or Legend of Chung Li. I am Nick Moore. Joining with me are Wayne Brissett and Mark Athanis. Wayne. Pew, pew. And Mark. We did not jump the anomaly here. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, this film may prove not to be an anomaly when it comes to video game film adaptations, so you might not be wrong. We watched Wing Commander from 1999, starring Freddie Prinze Jr. and Matthew Lillard during that weird Hollywood phase where they were joined at the hip. Uh, based on the video game franchise Wing Commander, where you you fly a spaceship and you do space missions. Pretty straightforward. It has its world building, its lore. I don't think it matters. I don't think it mattered to the people who wrote the script of this anyway. They seem to have gone, for better or for worse, in their own direction. I think I've kind of put my cards on the table before I sit for this film, but I promise we will find some good in it. Let's start with Mark, because you seem to be dreading this more than anyone when we went into it. Did it meet the expectations? Yeah, so I, so in full disclosure, I am not a fan of Freddie Prince Jr. and Matt, that Matthew Lillard era. I didn't like Freddie Prince Jr. until he shows up in Rebels as Kane and Jaro, and I didn't even know it was him because I was that shocked by how good the acting was. So Ouch. that period of the 90s, from I Know What You Did Last Summer through all the pew, pew. they were in, I... I automatically had a hate on. Now, I tried to put that aside as much as I can for this movie, and I found Freddie Prinze a lot more tolerable, and Matthew Lillard was Matthew Lillard for most of this, minus one scene where I did really like him in one scene for 30 seconds. And then the rest of this movie <laughs> is kind of the same feeling, where I find small moments where I'm like, okay, that's kind of an interesting, kind of a cool feel or atmosphere. And then it proceeds to make me ask a crap ton of questions 
It doesn't give me nearly enough answers for what the hell's going on. And we'll talk about it, but I'm not a fan. <laughs> All right. I mean, brutal, but fair. <laughs> Kinder than some of the Rotten Tomatoes reviews I've read about this film. Yeah, Wayne, how about you? <laughs> fair. Well, behind all the chaos of this film, there actually is a story there that I think can work. Agreed. I really do think this story can work. There's two major problems I had with it. And the first problem is probably the first time I've even mentioned this on the podcast for any film. And that is the casting is absolutely terrible. This this film falters yep. because I think nobody has any chemistry with each other and they don't know how to pull off. Nope. The, even even the, how weak the script is, they can't even pull that off. It's it's kind of, This movie should be so cheesy, so bad that it's still good. And because of the bad casting, they have a hard time pulling that off. The second problem I have is that it's a complete military movie in which nobody at all does anything they're told. <laughs> and instead of getting reprimanded for it, keeps somehow getting second chances or being rewarded for it. So it, it makes the whole thing seem pointless. It doesn't matter what you do or who's in command. Everybody can just do their own thing. And it, it just it makes it weak. It's, it, yeah. So in, overall, it's a, it's a, a weak movie. With surprisingly still decent effects that hold up, I thought. But other than there that, you go. it's average. It's definitely, ironically, still not the worst film we've seen. Not even close, to be honest, No, in my opinion. And I, I, as we unpack the movie, yeah, there are some of my biggest out loud gripes that I had were the, wait, what? Like, <laughs> he's doing what? Why does that work? That doesn't make sense. Why? Why? Why is this happening? You can't do that. Or... Why are they doing that? Like so, we will touch we'll on some of those. It. But there are some good things. There are good things. There are some good things. There so, are some good things. For you listening at home or in your car or wherever it is you listen to us, before you think we're being too harsh, and again, we do try and find the positives. We're not alone here. The audience score, when you look at Rotten Tomatoes, is twenty five percent with ten thousand ratings, and the critics are at ten percent. So. I feel like I like more than 25% oh, of this film, so I think we're going into this with rose-colored glasses here, or at least I as agree. close to it as we can get. I'm at 10%. I will agree. The film has... It's got some rough stuff it has to get through. Number one is the cast. It just feels like everyone is too fresh-faced, not even just young, but too fresh-faced, too almost like new to be believable in the roles that they're playing. You have hotshot mm -hmm. pilots that... I mean, as far as I can tell, if you're going to be an accomplished pilot, maybe you should look like you're an adult and not a teenager. I don't really believe a lot yeah. of teenagers are like the best out there as, as space pilots. Prove me wrong. If you're a great space pilot, hey, let me know. Yeah. And you're 19 and under. <laughs> I'm right. I want to challenge that. I want to challenge that with another movie that is based off of flying Top Gun. Everyone in Top Gun, most of the people in Top Gun, look. Fairly young, not now, this maybe not young. as young as Freddie Prince. Yeah, not as not as young as Freddie Prince and Matthew Lillard. But really, those are the only two who look super young to me. And I can even buy that. Hey, they're young, fresh graduates. My problem is the zero charisma that anyone has, except for uh, the guy who goes by Paladin. I forget uh, Forger from Bad Boys. Oh, you mean Paladin? The name. Yes. Yeah, the he's the only good character in the entire He's the film. only person with he's any great. charisma. Right. Uh, yes, so, he's fantastic. Anyway. He's also OP. All right, so to quickly go over the plot before we start getting into things, the Wing Commander mm -hmm. series takes place in the year 26-something or other. 
space flight is a thing. 26 XX. Thank you. I, they, they say the date, but let's be real. You could just throw a, a yeah. dart at a board and that's your number. It's far enough yeah. ahead that we're all dead. Good enough. And they have a really kind of moving opening, at least in my opinion, of using like newsreel clips and these images of kind of them mm-hmm. going into space and the speech from Kennedy about going to the moon. They have some really good things to start with it in terms of world building. And then they face an enemy that you see two or three times called the Kilthraki that make the enemies from the last starfighter seem fully developed. Because <laughs> they don't really seem to show mm-hmm. up or have motivations other than they just want to destroy everything. Let's toss all that aside for a moment and look at the three main leads, because that's what makes or breaks this film. I don't really have any issue with Freddie Prince Jr. I've seen him in things where I think he's great. I think he's really good in the Scooby-Doo films. I think he's decent in Friends. I think he can do comedy fairly well. I have trouble believing him as a dramatic actor, and he's in a role here where he has to be dramatic. He doesn't really have levity in this. Not that he's like super, super serious, but he's not the wisecracker Matthew Lillard is. And Freddie Prinze, I don't think at this stage in his career, if ever, he had the gravitas to do that kind of role. Whereas to your point, someone like uh, Tom Cruise in Top Gun, he has an intensity and a seriousness where you buy him as the best of whatever it's going to be. Because you can believe this man threw himself into whatever it was until he was the best. I don't believe that of this character. So it makes it hard to, to I, buy there's nothing. There's not a single scene that makes him seem like he's the best of anything or even the second best of anything or the fifth best. Like there's, well, there's not a scene where you're like, Oh wow, look at him flying. He's such a good fighter pilot. Like that doesn't exist yeah. in this movie. Sure. And I don't think that he's bad. I just think he's miscast. I think at this stage in his career, he was better at more lighthearted stuff and maybe he wanted to break out, but I don't think he was ready for it, which is a bit unfortunate because the film is carried by its lead and he's, he's not up to it. Unfortunately. But I think, I think, again, maybe what this movie suffers from is the characters in this movie are at least Matthew Lillard's character is portraying himself as one of the best and claiming that Freddie Prince Jr. is the second best. At least Matthew Lillard has maybe a scene or two that makes him seem like he's at least a competent <laughs> fighter. Yeah. It's mostly that he's insane, not that he's good. <laughs> Darren. Freddie Prince has nothing. Well, he has... He's daring. He's brave. He's, he's brave. He's got his Freddy bravery. Prince has nothing. And he has this intuition, not just for navigation, but just for flight coming from his heritage as a pilgrim, which for those who have not seen this film, pilgrims are humans that left Earth and traveled the stars for so long that they basically live and breathe space-time, and now they are walking, talking, encyclopedia, compasses, nav computers where even the AI on a computer is a rough approximation of what they can do in their head in a millisecond. He has some of that juice flowing through his veins, but that's all just inheritance. He doesn't have anything that he's brought to back that up. <laughs> and if I could say something about those scenes there, again, maybe because I don't care. But <laughs> there, again, I, I, one of the things that I, I will fully admit, and as we go through this, there's not because of that lack of, of charisma, I don't care about any of the characters. There's never a, a point in this movie where I, I feel invested enough to care. And so the scenes where he's navigating and doing those jumps, 
I, I guess you should care. You should hope he can do it, but I don't care. Because and that's why I said a bad cast. I don't care about his character. The actors don't even look yeah. like they care. They no. filmed it on a weekend. It's, it's literally the, 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 drama, the <laughs> drama in those scenes is a guy's right hand quickly typing numbers while his left hand wiggles the throttle of the of the ship. Like that's the whole drama. And then his horribly emoting on his face as he's like, oh, <laughs> there's nothing about that. Quick, everybody that YouTube that because it's in. just as good as he said. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. It's awful. Anyway, continue. We're All going right. through the story. So let's, <laughs> let's go through each of the three main leads and then we'll get into story beats. Matthew Lillard, I think, fares a little bit better in this because he's supposed to play the comic relief. I didn't say good. You all can't see it on Zoom. Mark's head just rolled across the floor. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not going to say he's good, but he fares a little bit better in what he was cast for. He's got something better to work with than Freddie Prince Jr. who has been given something that he's really not up for. But Matthew Lillard is, in my opinion, infamous for his overacting. And I don't think he has quite the level of skills to to pull off the scenery chewing that a truly great actor can do when they overact. He's not Alan Rickman. He's not Al Pacino. Maybe if he had Alan the beginning of his name, I don't know. But whenever he looks like he's going to bust out some serious acting, all he really seems to do, whether he's happy, sad, whatever it is, he always looks in this film like he's on the verge of crying. Am I wrong about this? No. He looks like he's on the verge of tears all of the yeah, time. Every time. It's weird. Except the scene that he actually did almost break down into tears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah, a good scene. you missed it there. Yeah, the old yeah. We'll get to that scene, but yes, it's the only time where he's stone faced. No tears. But I agree that Matthew Lillard is slightly better than than Freddie Prince in this one. The problem is his character is completely pointless to this entire story. There's nothing that that Matthew Lillard's character does that does anything of relevance other than get somebody killed. Sure, okay, that's relevant. But right. but his character, everything he does, says it's just it's pointless. His character could not be there and nothing would change in this show. He exists to create some level of personality opposed to Freddie Prince's character who exactly. exists to have a, a quest. It's like Zero. they took the Tom Cruise character Zero from Top Gun, split them in half <laughs> and said one's the they lead and the other one's three. fun. <laughs> they split, sorry, them, in split them in three. Yeah, sorry. I will say that for me, <laughs> my experience watching Matthew Lillard in this is he's annoying me in most of the scenes. Agreed. And yes, I could agree. He's supposed to be that thing that is, he's carrying his role a little bit better. It's just an annoying role. But (laughs) he has, next to, again, the guy who plays Paladin, I should look up his name. Next to him, he has the single best acting, Checky Cario. Matthew Lillard has... The one of the best acting in the entire movie in one scene. And, we'll and I feel it. like we'll get to that but. scene. It's good. It's it's one of the better parts yeah. of the film in terms of emotional weight. And since she's in that scene, yeah. Saffron Burroughs, who plays Lieutenant Commander Angel Devereaux. That's the last of the three people on the, the poster who is the wing commander, literally referred to as the wing commander. She's the title of the film. Do we like her at least more than the other two? <laughs> Uh, she's a standard. I thought she was okay. Almost stereotype, like she's almost a, a stereotype of what a grizzled commander is. Like though it came out before it, you've seen this character 
in every movie since and every movie before where oh you're the commander oh you're you're tough you don't care you don't get attached to your crew like it's just sure she's He's all right played she's better she's all right she's better like matthew lillard her character is almost pointless <laughs> well again most of the time when you have a character like that they're the exposition <laughs> character at least yeah. to the credit of that character they have some emotional beats for her Versus normally your lieutenant commander, your wing commander, your guy in charge is literally there to just yell exposition so the audience knows what's going on. So at least they get her involved in the story, which isn't bad. But let's rewind all the way back to the beginning of this film and and touch on some key points. I know we're going backwards and you want to go forwards. That's okay. We travel through time and space. I want to go to the beginning. No, no. I want to go to the beginning of this movie because... I want to echo what you said. Absolutely loved the uh, the opening. Is good. The expositional opening. I liked it. Good music. And theme then too. it hits me with, with the David scene. Arnold. That, yeah, and the music's good. It's a solid score throughout. I thought it was a well, pretty David solid Arnold score. only scores the opening theme. I think it's a different composer who does the rest of the film. So about that, and I'm kind of curious about it. So when I was on uh, on IMDb and I'm kind of looking up all the stuff on it. The one thing that I thought was kind of interesting when you look at the different stuff that's on there, David Arnold does the theme, Kevin Keener does the music for the rest of it, but if it's to be believed, when you look at the the kind of behind-the-scenes trivia and whatnot, uh, Robert O. Ragland had a musical score for it that was rejected just before the film's release. So now I'm yeah. curious, if it was completed, I want to know what the entirely different score to this film is. For sure. But the score that we get is pretty good, and the main theme is a solid main theme. It yeah, it has that kind Very of pomp and circumstance you expect out of a World War II-ish in space kind of film that this is. Because this mm-hmm. film really wants to be a World War II action. Absolutely. All of the, the planes look like World War II fighters. Even when they're out in space, when they're in formation, I know I'm jumping ahead, but when they're in formation and flying... It has a shot, and you think back to Star Wars, the X-Wings fly in formation, and they're all perfectly synced, because there's no wind in space. Mm-hmm. In this one, the planes are buffeting around like they're being pushed by atmosphere that doesn't exist, but it looks like a shot from a World War II scene of jet fighters being buffeted by the wind. They well, followed it too closely. Up, it's funny you bring up the World War II, because <laughs> I remember I turned to Christina during the film, and I said, one of the things I actually like is the design inside the ships because they yeah. don't look yes. like your futuristic, comfortable Star Trek ships. Everything no. is very congested like a submarine. Yes. You know, there's very little viewport. It's it's pipes everywhere. It, your your head is almost touching the roof. Like everything is very congested, like a World War II naval ship or submarine. And I actually thought that Absolutely. was really cool, to be honest. That was something I really liked. Probably yeah, the same and, thing. And I think... It translated well to some of the bigger ship battles because some of the bigger yeah. ship battles, not the fighters, the bigger ships have a very naval warfare feel mm-hmm. to how they fight. Yes. And I really yeah. like both the tension, the tension it captures on the bridge for like, we're taking damage, plot a course, get me a target, fire. Like it had a really cool feel to it. And yes, I love the actually this, the designs. The visuals of this movie are not my problem with it. No, they're very good, actually. And that that, that extends to the ship, the ships. It's not a problem. I, I, I don't I mind. I find the effects it. still held up. Well, and the main yeah, pretty ship, not the fires, but the main ship, when they do a top-down and it's kind of scanning past the, the camera, it looks like a World War II battleship. 
It yeah. really does. Mm-hmm. And they have a scene later where they're hiding from the enemy and they're on a planet and the enemy is, you know, firing down bombs into the atmosphere. And like you said, Wayne, it's like a submarine scene where they're like, oh, yeah, don't make any noise. Mm-hmm. And they're all huddled together, though. Yeah, if there's no noise in space, I don't know why they're huddled together making no noise. Yeah. <laughs> but again, this yeah. film ignores any of the rules about space because it's basically just we're making a World War II film that happens to be in space. We're following yeah. rules as if there's atmosphere. Mm-hmm. It only keeps one rule. And that's the rule of relativity, because they explain that when you signed up to join the whatever this Navy or whatever it's called, when you leave, you'll never see your family again. OK, yeah, because yeah, basically that's true. you're jumping around. You're jumping around space. So by the time you get back, everyone, you know, and love will be dead. It's the yeah. only space thing they adhere to. And I, I noticed it because it was the only space thing <laughs> they adhere to. Well, good for them for remembering one lesson about, you know, physics and space and time. Since they talk about space and time throughout the majority of this. Good for them. All the time, one would say. (laughs) Either way, I think that's kind of neat. Some of the design choices they have. And same thing with like in the hangars. Everything looks like look wise. I think it's pretty solid. Even like the jumper suits they have, the military uniforms. The only thing that doesn't look right is how fresh faced all of the actors are. They look, Mm -hmm. especially when you put them beside the, the admirals and paladin, the, the rogue intelligence officer, they look like they've been through a war. They all look grizzled. Yep. Hercule Poirot is in this. That's one of the admirals, the actor who plays him. But he's you know great. what I mean. And he's really good in it because he feels like he's been in command of a ship for a long time. They feel like they've been piloting for five yeah. minutes and declared themselves kings. Though, in all fairness, yeah. when Accurate. Matthew Lillard says that Freddie Prince Jr. is the second best pilot and he's the best, no one agrees with them ever. <laughs> Yeah. no one goes oh you're right i've heard yeah. about you guys it's really yeah. just him coming in and going yeah i'm awesome i mean no verification that's more boasting yeah but it's also a again if you look at a a, a trend in movies usually the guys who are it's one of two things the characters in the movies who are talking the talk are either garbage or they can actually toe that line and okay. it, would, it would have made sense. And you, th- I thought they were going to go this way where Matthew Lillard talks a lot, a big game, but the really, the guy who's actually good would be Freddie Prince. Cause he's not, it's not a game to him. He's actually good. You just never get to see it. You would think. The line, the line just works if it was only he's a space used, computer. The line works if it was only used once in the scene where he meets the crew for the first time. And the line is there as just an introduction, as a joke. So that he can also deliver that second line where he's like, well, you can beat me up or we can drink. And you're like, okay, it's just a joke line. Mm -hmm. And if you never heard it again, Mm -hmm. then it works. But once he keeps saying it, like Mark said, there's expectations on Freddie Prince's character that doesn't deliver. Yeah, that's fair. He keeps claiming Mm -hmm. it, even when it's just the two of them having a bro moment together. Yeah. Even if it's not true, Mm -hmm. he clearly believes it. Yeah. And again, there's nothing Mm -hmm. Freddie Prince does other than navigate a jump which is in his blood, so that's not even amazing. He just can do it. Yeah. Right. And, no, that's and he's under almost zero duress. It's not like he's – he doesn't have to, like, fly while being chased and navigate. There's no tension. He's just flying. <laughs> like, he's under no threat. He's just flying. <laughs> he's in space. So Everything's awful. a threat. Anyway. All right. So we, can, can, we, can we talk about the beginning? Well, I really we're going to go back to the beginning. 
<laughs> specifically because I want to talk about the MacGuffin of this entire story, the whole driving plot of it. So, and please yes. correct me if I'm wrong about any of it, because I will admit, I paused this movie halfway through. So I rented it off of YouTube. I looked at Corinne and said, am I the only one that doesn't know what's happening right now? Because <laughs> I was having trouble figuring out yeah. why no one seems stressed or pushed in terms of time based off of the opening. The opening, you have the humans yeah. on their ship, and you have a control room where, like, the monitor, you know, the monitor room where you have, like, the security guys watching it to make sure no one gets attacked. The guy gets up to take a washroom break, and in the five <laughs> seconds this guy gets up to take a piss, a death fleet of these cat aliens show up and just start ruining everything. They board their space station, and they've come for the... The NAVCOM, which is like the AI that lets them do all of this navigational, like, hyperspace jumping. I know they don't use hyperspace because they don't want to be sued. Oh my good god. Two things. One, most predictable scene I've ever witnessed. Not just to me. Corinne starts saying what they should do next. <laughs> like, <laughs> when they're getting attacked and you, the guy looks over and behind this, you know, glass window is the NAVCOM unit. He's like, they're coming for the NAVCOM. They can't disable it. They're pressing all kind of buttons. Oh, no, they've hacked the system. We can't disable it. Corinne goes, just shoot it. Next thing the guy does, grabs a big rifle, tries to shoot it. Can't break the glass. I do think it was funny, though. It made me laugh out loud. <laughs> when you see it's behind glass and they're like, this is like, it's so protected that you can't even shoot it. That the self-destruct button designed to blow this up doesn't work. Like, yeah. It just, there should be some massive failsafe behind that. That even if they got hacked, there okay. is a single line that just runs from this button to that room. That's not a part of any other server <laughs> so that we can ensure to blow this up. Because that's why you have that button there. Can, I actually laughed out loud. Kid, I got to talk about this because this is, this whole thing, the premise that this entire movie is based on, to Wayne's point, is based off of such a colossal military failing that I'm astounded. And it's, it's several things. One, a guy gets up for a coffee break. You're telling me that in this military society where they're in a, th a constant threat and his one job is to monitor for threats. There's not a sub, a guy who he's like, Hey, Billy, you got the, you got the radar. I got to go get a <laughs> cup of coffee. Like there's nobody. You could still have that exact same scene with him yeah. sitting at the computer because of my second problem with that scene. There's a massive fleet. They have zero defenses. That fleet just rolls in and annihilates them. There's zero. Like when they start to get attacked, <laughs> they don't even fight back. Yeah. They go right so to self-destruct. Let's forget that for a second. So let's forget that for a second. The worst part of this entire scene for me is the fact that the self-destruct doesn't work. But not only does it not work, you're telling me that the commander of the base doesn't know it's bulletproof glass? <laughs> yeah. He grabs a gun He's to never shoot had to the fire glass. It. it contains an explosion? The glass contains an explosion. Why would you think you could shoot through it? And then <laughs> you're telling me there's not a door to that room? You can't yeah. get to that room and shoot it on the inside? Like, come on, man. The entire premise of that opening... I just have to be like, I know I'm supposed to suspend disbelief, but there are so many stupid things happening. I'm mad. I was mad at the movie. <laughs> and then really mad. to follow that up, they only have enough time to send out a distress signal to to whoever's in the immediate vicinity to be like, we've been attacked. The, the cat aliens are going to attack Earth. They've got our coordinates. Please, someone stop them. And when he's going to send that out, 
He goes, how many ships are in our vicinity? And before he can say anything, Kryn goes, just one. And that is literally what he says. (laughs) She starts giggling. I'm like, yeah, you're just proud you wrote the script to Wing Commander. Don't be so proud. (laughs) You wrote the script to Wing Commander. That That opening shows the only thing that really irritates me, not just about this film, but a lot of these in general, a cookie cutter script where you can start reciting it before it happens. And this movie is unfortunately really guilty of it. It has a lot of small moments and one-liners that I like, but 15 minutes in, I was able to predict what was going to happen. I even called which crew member was going to die the second I met the crew. Like, just, yeah. yeah. It's paint by numbers, which is unfortunate, but it is what it is. This is the film that we have. <laughs> but at least at this point, you meet not just Freddie Prince Jr. and Matthew Lillard, but the captain who at this point you think is just a random captain lugging these two idiots around. The film goes halfway through before okay. you find any matters. So, can you guys fill that Wait, one in for me? What, what were they doing? What is their role? What are, what are they? I don't know. So uh, this is what I don't understand. Again, it felt like smugglers at first. And then it was like, no, they're actually part of the military. So what the okay. hell are they doing? What's so, their job? No idea. What I understood, what I understood at first, which gets revealed later, which makes it worse, is this. <laughs> They, he is. It seems like he is a smuggler captain. They have contracted to carry their two pilots to this ship. So I don't know in what military you contract random civilians who are kind of pirates to transport your critical crew replacements around, but apparently in this universe that happens. Except you find out he isn't a random pirate. He is a high-level intelligence officer. So once again... Higher than anybody on any of the ships we so see. so important? He's actually the highest officer in this entire film. He outranks film. everyone. Yep. He's the highest He's officer the in highest the entire officer. film. Uh, next to the Admiral. There's the Admiral and oh, this guy. Right. Yeah, so I forgot guy about the TGRI guy. He's a Commodore. He's a Commodore who they, they had shipping to recruits as if they were special, but they don't think they are. To this one, sh- like I don't. Oh, this movie just makes, right. it hates me. It hates me. We're gonna keep moving along because there's again. there's a lot of ground to cover, and I'm desperately trying to rawr, find some rawr, good things rawr. in it. <laughs> All right, so positive. Ship, vibes. Wait, positive. What a good vibes. thing. I like the design. I like the design of this pirate ship. I actually do like the shape and design. There we go. See, okay, the ship design is good. And that opening scene where they where they make the first jump. Aside from again. Hey, plot the course. Don't do anything. What do you mean you did something? You you sped us up. That idea of describing the threats of space, like we're heading towards a singularity and you sped us yep. up. Are you an idiot? We need precise calculations to do this. That entire scene has enough, the right amount of tension, yes. weight to it. I was like, okay. I, I, I was like, oh, I like this scene. So I, I will give it that. Why <laughs> everyone is in that position is... Pew pew and stupid. But <laughs> second best pilot it, made that decision. I will give it that. The, the, the first best pilot doesn't know. <laughs> pew pew. And why would you not explain what you're doing? Hey, you're gonna pilot the ship while I step away. By the way, the court we've plotted is this. Just so you know, don't pew pew around because <laughs> we have plotted a dangerous course. It seems like critical information to give someone. <laughs> 
pew pew. Anyway, I think we finally found the movie that Next. broke Mark. I think so. Jeez. <laughs> oh my God. This is his winner. Everyone's got their winner. This is yours, I think. Oh, yeah, either I, way, I think it might be. They make the jump. Passionate. They meet the crew. <laughs> and two things about meeting the crew that I enjoyed. You could see it coming a mile away, but the idea of Freddie Prince Jr. starts climbing into a ship and then he sees uh, Saffron's character show up, but she's in a mechanic's uniform and starts asking, you know, do you know what ship you're getting into? And kind of questioning his skills like, oh, I could take on these guys and I do this and this if the enemy attacked me. And she lists off all the tactical mistakes that he's making. Best pilot. And then when he says, why would I take advice from a grease monkey? And she strips off the outer part of the uniform, which is the mechanic, and underneath, she's his superior. The wing commander. <laughs> that was a fun way of doing it. I got a kick out of that. Because yeah. it shows, it's not just your typical, yeah. the guy's an idiot and doesn't know that's a superior officer. She trapped him with that. Yeah. She wanted to see what kind of crew she's dealing with. That made me like her character more because it showed she had some level of cunning or intelligence. I thought that was cool. Yeah. So I had a question about that yes. for me, and it was a question that persisted through the entire movie, which is basically like there are times this movie gives the feeling like humans aren't winning this war. Well, I can't tell who's winning or and losing the war. It's only based off of, for me, I don't, I don't remember. well, here's the, the thing. It's only based off of, for me, the fact that at least the main crew you're with have an almost cavalier attitude about death. Like, yeah. we're all going to die. We're all dead. You're all just dead. When you die, we don't care about you. We don't remember your name. And we are apparently so short-staffed that I, the commander of the flight wing, need to do some kind of mechanical work. Because it's not like she knew they were coming there. She asked them, why are you on the flight deck? So it's not like she was like, oh, look, they're going to the flight deck. I'm going to mess with them. She was legitimately doing work down there and then decided to No, no, she was doing the work. But as soon as he started... Yeah. Basically digging himself a grave. She didn't correct him. She waited to see just how stupid he'd sound. I enjoyed that. Yeah, but my question is, are they so desperate that you're the commander of your, your wing fleet is just a ra- randomly doing mechanical work? It seems weird. And that's one of the things yes, they don't clear up is where things are people at. are passionate about their own vehicle, right? If she's like, True. she knows how to fix it, she might be like, nobody touches my ship but me. They just don't that explain it. Sure. Yeah, they don't make a clear point. But she's not on her shit. They do make a clear point <laughs> her, her, about her, why they don't talk they about previous it? crew members. And it's not that they don't care. It's too mm. painful to think about all the people you've lost, so they refuse to acknowledge them, and so that, that person doesn't exist. The only thing that irritated me about that is the first time that Matthew Lillard brings up, you know, so-and-so, whatever the guy's name was, and the other dude gets really mad going, he doesn't exist, he doesn't exist. These guys are new to your crew. They don't know your stupid people-don't-exist game. Yeah, Why exactly. are you getting mad? Yes. Why not yeah. just explain, yes. and if hey, they when don't someone exist, dies, we don't acknowledge them anymore because it's too painful, instead of being a jackass. Yeah. And if they don't exist, why are you so emotionally mad about it? Right. Well, that was weird. And it's a three-second ex. It's a three-second exposition that could have happened without any need for any conflict. It just and comes across that the guy wants a fight. Doubles, well, no. The whole point of that is to double down on the fact that Freddie Prince Jr. is this half-pilgrim. Right. Which, I gotta be honest, the movie doesn't really do a good enough job for me of explaining why the pilgrims were such a threat to the rest of humanity. So, it, looking at the pilgrims for a second, here's my thing. They're only described as people who felt 
touched by God and superior to their fellow man, but they were just explorers. Yeah. They, they didn't make them sound like they were a military. They didn't make them sound like they were trying to overthrow humanity. They were basically just like, hey, man, we're out wandering the stars and we're better than you. And they went to war over that. So I'm like, oh, that sounded like a massacre, <laughs> which is what it sounded like. Because, I mean, Earth won. The pilgrims didn't win the war. Nope. They got wiped out. So the fact that everyone is has so much hate versus pilgrims, you would almost think it was more like, a oh, well, you guys sucked, so ha ha. It's more. It should be more of a pilgrims are a joke because we wipe the floor with you than it should be. Pilgrims were a threat and we don't trust you. Like that's. Well, I, th- I think that's the whole movie. I think that was the key, but the whole thing it came down to trust, right? Because they they didn't say pilgrims were touched by God. That was his opinion. They pilgrims thought they were gods, and exactly that built a, a trust issue, right? So really, when it comes down to it, everybody hates the pilgrim side of Freddie Prince's character. It really all comes down to trust. They just don't trust them. That's all they right. keep repeating. Yeah. But but the whole unnecessary drama with the pilgrims is that whole the we don't talk about the Dead Sea. That's the only purpose for it is so that they can rip his shirt and see his cross. Yeah. Well the other the other reason they talk about it is to have that super pointless scene about them questioning the authenticity of the disc. Right. And it's just oh. there so they can bring up the pilgrim thing to say, well, we don't trust you. Prove it's real. Right. And it's like, this is the yeah. stupidest thing ever. There's got to be a way for so, these guys to prove that the, what's on this thing is legit. Yes. And that might have been a good the time military. for the guy to say, I'm an admiral. You would think that would be the right time to bust that card <laughs> out. That, sorry, that's one of many times yeah. he should have said, well, yes. I'm, this yes. is who I really am. Yeah, you should have yes. thrown the cloak off at some point, maybe 15 minutes it's, into the film. Because a lot of the next decisions yeah. are all made because they don't still don't really prove. <laughs> well, they don't trust him. What's they really don't trust weird, him still. So they're, they're very leery about all their decisions when he could just say, this is what we're here to do. What's odd about this film, yes. specifically the story, things like the Pilgrims and whatnot, the Pilgrims don't exist in the games. That's not a thing. The Kilthraki, like the, <laughs> the monsters they fight, sure... Uh, Blair, Freddie Prince Jr.'s character, he exists. This film is a loose adaptation of the first game, but no pilgrims. What's weirder, the guy who directed this, I think his name is Chris Roberts, I want to say. Yeah, Chris Roberts. He's behind the first five games. This is his first directorial debut as a feature film. So he's responsible for the first five games, and then when he makes this movie, it doesn't adhere to the plot of the games. It makes weird deviations. <laughs> that would explain why there's little action and we watched only cutscenes. <laughs> it's oh, God. it's you probably watched the movie and said, "Well, when do we play the action?" Now, if we're going to look for positives, fun fact: if you've played any of the Wing Commander series, Mark Hamill plays the character of Blair, Freddie Prince Jr.'s character in this. Mark Hamill, John Rice Davies. Malcolm McDowell, they're in the live-action cutscenes of those games. They didn't get any of them for this. One of them for scheduling reasons. Malcolm McDowell, I guess, was busy making another film. But Mark Hamill is in this movie, uncredited. The voice of Merlin, the voice of the AI computer, is credited with a question mark at the end of the film. It says, Merlin, question mark, which I took note of and started laughing hysterically. Because I wasn't sure if they didn't know who it was or if they gave up 
Wasn't sure. But according to the internet, it's Mark Hamill. So he's in it. Uncredited so with a question that, mark. Is that legit or is that just... That is on IMDb rumor? as legit. Okay. That is on there so, as like proper. I do want to say something positive about the movie. This is <laughs> that means he said, do not put my name on this. <laughs> yeah. But Tacheki Karyu, as we have said, is He's great. the best part of this movie. And again, everything he says, every scene he's in, especially in these opening scenes, he's one of the few people who makes sense. One of the few people who seems competent, like he knows what he's talking about. To Wayne's point, they're questioning a disc that they had to military. It's a militarily coded disc that they assume this random guy who showed up with two pilots brought to them and he, they don't trust him yet. <laughs> you put those pilots <laughs> into ships yes, and have them fly missions for you. So you would think they would just be like, okay, we don't trust any of you. None of you go anywhere until we can find out. Yeah. Put them in the brig. The problem with not them. trusting is, is kind of like a conspiracy theory thing. If you want to say, fine, we don't, we're not sure whether we trust this, this, that's fine. But you have to tell us what you believe the consequence of following this trap would be. Like right. if they take us to go yes. here, then this is then X is going to happen. But at no point were you worried yes. about X happening if you follow through on this. You just blatantly come out and say, "I don't trust the disc." Okay, well, what's why not? Yes. Why not? Why not trust it? What what's the repercussion? Well, if you the don't, only if, reason if you that it's it? not trusted is the the specific admiral that keeps kind of oh sorry a uh, commander that keeps throwing shade at them for this. Uh, Paul Commander Paul Gerald who's played by uh, Jürgen Proch yeah. now, he just hates pilgrims. He makes it very clear from the first moment that he sees Freddie Prince Jr. that He's you're a pilgrim, light, so I hate you. By the so end. if this disc showed up on a ship with a pilgrim, it's clearly a trap. He's borderline irrational about his hatred. Not even borderline. He's full-out irrational oh, yeah. for the majority of this story to a point where most of the conflict that happens is because he's a dick. He's yeah, just the trust a pilgrim-hating bastard. They would have a far smoother story if he'd shut up and step back. Yeah. Well, and again, it's 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 an unnecessary plot contrivance for drama where none is needed because, quite frankly, this movie establishes a very, I think, prescient timeline that they forget about, which is in like what is it forty in forty hours if. The cat people have the coordinates. They will get to Earth. The fleet will only get to Earth in 42, 42 hours, right. no matter what. We need to buy time. So all of the tension necessary for this movie is in the fact that one ship has to stop a fleet yeah. from achieving its goal. I have problems with that moving forward, but that's that's enough tension. You don't need this whole pilgrim no. bullshit. Pew, pew. You don't need tension amongst the crew. Their lives and everything is at stake. The stakes are high enough. You don't need anything well, else. Well, and the tension they set up with that commander, it doesn't work because for half of the film, he's underneath an admiral who basically tells him, shut up, I'm in command, most of the time. That admiral gets injured... I. Does he die? I'm not sure. Either way, injured. injured, I think. I think he's injured. He never shows Thor up again. gets injured. So now <laughs> the commander could be in charge. And we're thinking, ah, oh, crap. Freddie Prince Jr. is in trouble now. But the second that that guy's in yeah. charge, that's when the, the, the captain goes, I'm actually a uh, rogue intelligence officer and I outrank you so you can still shut up. So what's the point? 
Yeah, and and it just seemed like at that point he didn't even he he didn't care that anybody was the pilgrim. Like his character was became obsolete. He's just where was this guy who combated all decisions now? And yeah. Okay. The I second agree. the guy reveals I'm Paladin, I'm the Commodore, codenamed Paladin, that guy goes quiet. Everything's good now. He never complains again. He never dissents. He's on board the whole way. It gives me the inkling that uh, Paladin will smoke him. <laughs> the biggest time he should have revealed that is when he specifically said, it's a horrible idea, it's a trap, and you're going to get bombarded with nobody here to defend you. They said, that's not true. So they send a, they send them out to do it anyway. That would have been a great time. Yes, say, it would have You know been. what, guys? I actually outrank you. You're, we're not doing that because I can tell you right now it's a trap and we're going to get annihilated. But so, no, they play his, he yep, plays the we, game and sure enough, people die. <laughs> <laughs> and then he comes back and so, says it. <laughs> so here's my question. Like I, and I told you so. Because this movie, this movie, every time you want to analyze this movie, it makes you ask more questions. So here are my questions about that entire It's a thinking man's conflict. movie, Mark. It's a thinking man's movie. It's going to make Positive you think. Thoughts. Positive it, it thoughts. It shouldn't be. <laughs> You should, you should, you should stop thinking about this movie because so they send the fleet away and he's like, we have no one to defend us except when they're attacked, they scramble fighters. So they actually did keep some fighters in reserve Two fighters. As far as I can tell are utterly useless against those giant capital ships. Yeah, Yeah, they are. And the enemy's other little ships are useless against their big capital ship. They're only good to take out other little fighters. So even if they kept the fighters <laughs> on that ship, it made no difference in the right. outcome because what I don't get is that ship seems clearly capable of taking on multiple alien capital ships at a time. It does it repeatedly yep. throughout this entire movie. In fact, I would say it's like the Enterprise because clearly they send a single ship to stop a fleet. It's yeah. it, they sent a single ship to stop an armada. So clearly, this ship is badass. One would so assume. It doesn't matter that the fighters aren't on board. The, like the fighters don't matter, and they didn't matter in that fight because they scrambled their fighters. And you know what happens to their fighters? Their fighters die, but nothing happens to the ship until the other big ship shoots their big ship. And it's just like, well, pew pew. They kept your fighters on the ship. All right, <laughs> like, so we can all agree the main plot has problems. Let's focus on the subplot with Matthew Lillard. Let's focus on his romance gone wrong. Because that's the where love. we can see some true good stuff happen in this. Yeah. I'm going to point out a couple of the positives. One, the opening exchange between him and his love interest. Where, what was mm-hmm. the, what was it that they said back and forth? The quote for it was fantastic. Uh, where it was... Uh, the balls? Yes. I got balls. My balls are bigger. Or she's like, you've got balls. And he goes, want to see them? She goes, mine are bigger. And he goes, I was told size doesn't matter. She goes, she lied. That exchange back and forth (laughs) was so quick and so fantastic. And now they love each other. That's all it took in this two-dimensional movie. (laughs) Yep. Yes. Also, again, I got to say no chemistry between the two actors. But that dialogue was a nice witty band. It had more chemistry than Freddie Prince did with his Yeah, Freddie Prince, uh, his character and Rosie, or sorry, no, his character and Angel, the chemistry's not Angel. quite there. No. But it's in terms there, of positives, right? so when Angel is talking to, I think Rosie is the, the name of Matthew Lillard's love interest. Rosie, yeah. When they're sitting there talking back and forth about, you know, the crazy Matthew Lillard character that she's fallen for, uh, Rosie's carrying a yes. bottle of Johnny Walker. 
uh, Johnny Walker Black Label mm-hmm. specifically. So I am very relieved to know that in the future, I will still have Johnny to lean on when times are hard. I was pretty happy <laughs> to see that. So that was a positive thing. Uh, and even for in me. the future, the ships scene. still don't have breathalyzers before you That's get right. in there. Jesus. No. <laughs> so, you know, focus on those positives. I will say that scene is the best attempt at uh, the movie gives at making me care about two characters. Okay. Their exchange seems like a genuine, a genuine friendship that is deep. They've known each other for a while. You know, you could tell she cuts her some slack because we're friends. She shares in for, she shares how she feels because they're friends. Like it's like okay. Yep. And again, because the movie telegraphs everything, I was like, oh, okay. Well, she's dead. Yep. Oh yeah. We all know Rosie's <laughs> gonna bite it. And sure enough, she dies. She's got to bite it. In the but dumbest dies, disobey order scene of all time. She dies the dumbest death I've seen in a very long time. You have, yep. what the fighting is over. There's still some ships out in the distance, but the fighting is over. Over. And Angel has told them, turn around, come back. And her and Matthew Lillard's character decide to start flying out and attacking more things. Which is and a, he's gonna play, they defy their orders. Right. And on top of that, he decides to play a game of chicken in space against the enemy. And when that enemy spins out of control, hits Rosie's ship. So he is directly responsible for everything that happens yep. going forward. They both are. but yeah, They both so. are. But now, of course, her eject won't work and her wing is destroyed. Even though they're in space, it's wobbling like the wind is an issue. Oh, my God. <laughs> Are you kidding me? He's like, oh, I got you back. And they're going in formation. And then she just, it's one thing to, to crash. But remember the game Top Gun for the NES? So yeah. do you mm-hmm. remember what it would look mm-hmm. like if you failed? And it wasn't like you skidded. You just went flop yeah. on the ground. And just <laughs> yeah. like Family Guy pratfalled. That's what yeah. her ship does in mm-hmm. space where there's no gravity. Outside of the gravity field. So it should just keep going. Why it loses yeah. momentum, I don't like she understand. She should nick the ship and then it just spins off into... Right. So There's no atmosphere. Why are my... you dropping? <laughs> so And then they pushed her off the edge. The oh like my it's... god. Okay. <laughs> so, But this is my problem. But this thing... That's my problem with that whole gigantic, scene. Like, I guess like a Tonka machine that they're going to use to, to clear it off of the bridge because they gotta go and get this rubbish off of my deck. My it question moves is, so they... slowly and then slowly pushes her ship smoldering with her maybe still alive inside off the edge in the same <laughs> amount of time that it could have pushed her in into the, the actual hangar bay and saved yeah, her. That's what we said. We're like, exactly. why don't they push her into the hangar? Exactly. All they needed was a one line thing of the ship is a danger. If it explodes in the hangar bay, we're all dead. All they needed was that. And they don't even say that. They just make it look like. No, yeah. sorry. If you break a leg, we put you down like a lame horse. You don't exist. But, here's a, but that that scene, that scene was a scene that made me question that human life is so like they're so ambivalent to it. Yeah, she could be alive. She is one of their top pilots. She could be alive. That is an asset in that cockpit. When she first crashes, they're scrambling a rescue. He lands and he's like, "There's somebody's like." Uh, somebody get the medic, get into an EVA suit, and get out and get her. Those are the three first things said. Yes. Which apparently None never happened. materializes. 
Again, Matthew Lillard is doing his best to try to get to him. Freddie Prinz emotionlessly is like, you can't go outside. You'll die. <laughs> and Matthew Lillard is doing all of the acting. No, I've got to get out there. I've got to go save her, you know, because he's feeling the guilt of the moment. Right. It's a good scene for him. And it's got the right emotional weight. And then extremely callously, they decide to push her off the edge. Why don't you put the medic in the evac suit? Yep. <laughs> drive him out there. Yeah. Check if she's alive, and if she's not, or even if she is, get the body, and then push the wreck out. Like, I just don't under- or push it back in. Like, either one. Because she had to die for the plot to happen. I don't believe that wreckage was in the way or preventing them from landing. They already showed all the stunts and the tricks they can do. I'm sure every single one of those pilots could have went over the ship and then down into the hangar. It was not in the way. And she's on one half. She's on one half of the runway, yeah. and it, they show you it's a two-runway system. So they could just land on the side beside her. It's something that would have nope. made more sense Killer. if it was a pilgrim in that ship. And it shows to Freddie Prince Jr. how little they care about pilgrims. Then yeah. the scene would work. Yes. But because it's a member yeah. of their crew that they care about, the scene makes no sense. No sense. Followed up by Angel storming over to Matthew Lillard, demanding a pistol from one of her, like, one of her other crew members and holding it up to him, describing everything that he's done and how he's committed treason, which is punishable by death and getting ready to shoot him in the face. And it's Matthew Lillard's best moment. He's not crying. Best moment. You can see all of the guilt in his face and he's ready to take that shot. He knows this is my fault. If I die from this, that's deserved. And it's even Freddie Prince's best acting to try and be like, this won't bring her back. Just don't do it. Don't shoot him. Yeah. It's the, it's the yeah, strongest it's the scene emotionally in the scene. whole film from a subplot in that you didn't need and we all saw coming a mile away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it is Matthew Lillard's in any movie I have ever seen him in. He's his best actor. He's really good in that scene. His, he just does this subtle, it's okay. Yeah. And just pushes him away. Like it's just, it's such a subtle thing that I was like, oh, wow, that's Matthew Lillard's best acting that I've ever seen ever in any movie I've ever seen him in. Yeah. He's really good there. I'm still pretty sure that in any military, when you commit treason, there's a trial. (laughs) No matter how (laughs) scarce they are for people, they don't want you. They don't need you again. Well, I mean, 15 minutes later, he's back out there helping them. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. No, no military would do that. (laughs) It's not like they're going to be like, well, we'll put you back in the plane. But when we're done, we're going to go back to that treason thing. I thought that they were going to write it off with killing him because when you have the whole breach later on. And he decides, oh, Freddie Prince Jr. is going to be sucked out and he's holding on to a rail. I'm going to wrap a cable around my waist and go out to save him. If this was any other movie in space, that cable would tear right through Matthew Lillard's torso and two halves of him would sail past Freddie Prince Jr. That's a good thing that the suction of space only goes out about 10, 20 feet into the ship. Apparently. (laughs) Yeah. Like everybody else is standing around 20 feet out. completely fine. Oh, my God. And Freddie Prince Jr. has absolute like gorilla strength with his grip that's a steve rogers grip he is being pulled out into the vacuum of space <laughs> for so it is so long this is how long that scene is <laughs> that matthew lillard has the chance to yell to the other guy who he's at beef with you're just gonna let him die uh, yeah they're just watching Wait for no answer fine i'll save him tie something to his waist and start to slowly make his way against the suction of space out to him. 
That's how long Freddy Prince Jr. needs to hold on for his dear life. To the film's credit, and as long as you crawl, his real superpower. As long as you crawl, your as fucking, long as you crawl, long as you crawl, space will not suck the you. Vacuum space can't space. get you. Remember, it's like a fire, <laughs> yeah. kids. Stay below the smoke and stay below yeah. the pull of <laughs> space. Let the let the air oh, the the space, space flow over you. Yeah, It'll the miss vacuum you every of time. space will flow yeah. over you. <laughs> It'll miss you every the time. Space will flow over you, and. <laughs> And the <laughs> extremely useless scene of the guy, Matthew Lillard, is just chirping, being like, you're not going to save him. And then that guy like, well, you're slowly not seeming to do the exact same thing. He's got the same wire contraption that he's hooking on. Looks like he's hooking to his waist. And you're like, oh, he's going to go save him. No. Nope. He doesn't. Nope. Not even a little. They just slowly move a giant crate in the way that would almost kill anybody. And again, they're superhumanly strong because they're holding this giant piece of metal against the vacuum of space until they decide to let it go and it flips perfectly to seal the gate which can we talk about that there is a 30 second countdown where it's going to automatically seal itself so they're scrambling to fill the hole and they stop it with three seconds left if you waited three more seconds it would have just sealed itself yeah because it's telling you we'll seal breach in 30 seconds 25 seconds, 10 seconds. <laughs> Maybe it means oh, it's going to seal the room the that they're in. I feel like they were trying to give the impression the room they're in will get sealed off and they'll have no oxygen. But I they don't have. make it clear. Yeah, maybe. All right, well, maybe. either way, I thought that Matthew Lillard was going to die because even when he lifts up the shirt afterwards, like, there is blood in the yes. shape of that entire cable he had around his waist. It looks like he cracked every yes. single rib into his lungs. And somehow... Ten minutes later, he's just bandaged up, and he's being told it's not a suggestion; it's an order. You got to get up there and fight. And okay. honestly, yep. that little conversation—that little conversation between the two of them—to me made zero sense. What it they said to each other, sense. I'm like, "What? Like that was not a coherent, cohesive <laughs> sentence at all from both from both of them." And I'm going to put the the traitorous injured guy back in the cockpit because he might have bad uh, confidence right now. It doesn't uh, matter. He can't fly. His ribs are broken. Don't understand it. <laughs> but either way, so the two last things I want to touch on. One, storming the, the cat people. Okay, I keep calling them cat people. They kill Rothy. The Karathi. Corinne thinks they're dog people. I think they're cat people. Can you guys give me a verdict on this? In the game, are they not more like lions? Well, lions are cats, so I win that one. That's true. But I think in the game, Here, they look more like right lions. Now, like they, have more, cat they have people. more big manes and everything like that. They, cat people. they look like the go. you know those shaved cats. That's what they look All right, like well, in this one. In this film, yeah, they yeah. look like those hairless cats, and their faces move so little that I had to check the date of the release of this film because Goro was in 1993's <laughs> Mortal Kombat, and he had full animation for yeah. his puppet. These things have so little expression to their movement that they look like anime dubs that are just kind of flapping their mouth open and close. They kind of look like Michael Jackson yeah. in Thriller when he changed into that creature. A little. That just didn't move. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. The eyes, the yellow eyes. They're the only part of the production's design that I thought looked really cheap. Agreed. Everything yeah, the humans face. have are great. And I think they knew like that. Bad cosplay. They knew that because of the limited shots you see. And I didn't mind their body. They look yeah. fine standing still. It's I didn't the second mind their they went body, to move. But I don't I don't mind the so their facial design was terrible. I didn't mind their physical design. They're okay. so much bigger. They look so imposing. I didn't mind that. Except it, they it couldn't move. Like to your point. Yeah. They couldn't move their face. No, no. They couldn't move their you don't see bodies, their bodies enough. 
all of the action scenes consisted of them just kind of swiveling their entire body like yeah. you know Tim Burton's Batman where he yeah, can't but, really move his torso and then they get shot and fall over. They never accomplish anything. But every every action scene is rapid camera cuts. Yes. So who knows what who knows who's moving half the time? I have no idea. Yes, the techno strobe action is back. It was there in Legend yeah. of Chung Lee, it was there in Assassin's Creed, and it's here for Wing Commander. When Freddie Prince storms and he's on his own and he shoots, I think, three different guys, could be the three same guy. I don't know. The camera just keeps spitting yep. as he shoots guys. I'm like, okay. I don't know where he is in relation to anybody right now, but fine. Well, either way, not a great action scene. And you can tell they weren't confident in the design of these things because they obscure those cat people in shadow for as long as they and can. As little as possible. Until the very ending where yeah. they're translating what they say. And you get maybe 10 seconds cumulatively of interaction with them as an audience where you can kind of get some ideas to who they are, why we should care about them. It's so little that it made me think back to, I complained about Last Starfighter, and I really feel like I know the enemy in them way better. <laughs> yeah. This is like a Cole's Nose version of them. Starfighter, Last Starfighter gave you something, some time with the yeah. villain. It gave you something. something. He had a couple of scenes throughout the film. These things show up at the very beginning the very end, nowhere in between, and you barely see them when they do show up. So I feel like those suits were just way behind in production, and when they had to show up for filming, they're like, well, this is as far as we got. They're like, yeah. okay, I guess we're removing any villain scenes from the movie because <laughs> we can't use them. <laughs> yeah, They should have just called up Paul Anderson, slapped some armor on Goro. Yeah. I think Prince Goro in space, I would have gone yeah. to see that. For sure. That would have been solid. But then you have the, yeah. the last act to try and save humanity they have the the navcom and i guess the only way to get it back is through a series of impossible jumps that they're gonna have freddie prince jr or rudolph the red-nosed pilgrim guide it through back to them see what you did there yeah you see what i did there i'm he's, super clever <laughs> he's he's got to get back to the location to deliver the message right and he's going because his ship is small enough to slip past the Armada. They wouldn't notice one single okay. ship, apparently. So, so why don't they just apparently. send that ship from the very beginning to do that? Instead of- His ship is small oh. enough. Oh, that's a good question. But is it just that it's small <laughs> enough to get past the Armada, or is it the only ship small enough to get past all of these black holes and anomalies? Because the ship that follows him is massive. It's a lot bigger. And it makes it through no. all of that. No, no, no. With their nav It's computer. not size. It's... They're literally, they literally say, we can't sneak our ship past them. Okay, but that's fair then. Fighter, they're small, it's small enough to get past them, and they send Freddie Prince because he's magic in space, and he can make the jumps. And, and he gets Angel, past them, but they see him. Yeah, but an Angel, for reasons, is supposed to follow him through and be his wingman. She, <laughs> she has to nearly sacrifice herself to stop a weapon that makes you question why they haven't used it till now. Oh, yes, the invisible missile. It's amazing. <laughs> the imbi- and again, the from, invisible a sci- missile. A, from a sci-fi concept, from a sci-fi concept, that stealth missile is so cool. It shows up on your radar just long enough to acquire target and then changes direction and acquires target again. So great tension in the scene. Yep. You can't see it. You can't shoot it down. You can't, you can't intercept it and it's coming and you don't know when. Now, again, why they suddenly have lost all faith in their shields, I don't know. Well, they said the shield wouldn't be able to take another direct hit. They've lost too much power already. Sure. So that they point out. Yeah, sure. 
Sure. So that I miss because it sucks. But <laughs> <laughs> she's really only in space so that she can not follow him. And again, to Wayne's point, disobey a direct order mm-hmm. to go and shoot this thing down, which she gives him the direct order, keep going, which he disobeys so he can find her. <laughs> I know, the whole movie, man. <laughs> All right. Can we at least agree it's a nice callback to the beginning with the black hole anomaly at the end when he realizes the Kalrathi ship is behind him and starts flying towards another one of those, knowing that yeah. if I get close enough to it and then double back, and these guys are stupid yeah. enough to follow me, they're going to get sucked in because they're bigger. It's his yeah. one intelligent moment out of the entire movie. I thought yep. it was pretty good. I don't want to take away from the intelligence of that moment. I just, <laughs> I didn't understand. I didn't understand almost the geography of what was happening, I guess, because, and again, I'm, I fully agree. I made a lot of assumptions. He jumps into the Sol system. That is the sun. That is Earth. He jumps into the Sol system. The, he goes by a planet that looks like Mars. Yeah. And the fleet that's waiting to, that gets his message and is waiting to ambush the rest of the attacking force literally say, that ship goes to Earth. Basically, we, we either need to go stop that ship from going to Earth or ambush the rest of the fleet. They decide to ambush the rest of the fleet, and they say, that lone ship that gets sent in is enough to have catastrophic casualties. Okay. For reasons, reasons, <laughs> that giant ship chases one single ship as opposed to its objective, go to Earth. You're at Mars, go to Earth. Also... I don't know. I guess somewhere in the future, a random black hole is in the middle of our inner solar system. What exact black hole does he fly to? This is the, the year 26 XDX. Who knows what anomalies have shown up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is way past us. My only question with that scene is that big ship followed the little ship because they thought that that anomaly was the fleet. And I don't understand how that ship doesn't have the same readings as every other ship to say, that's not a fleet, that's an anomaly or a black hole. Like, you mean why the big ship doesn't have yeah. comparable technology? Yeah, because they did like a U-turn going, the, oh, that's not the fleet, that's a black hole. <laughs> so if you've ever taken a pen light and decided to shine that on the ground and watch a cat jump after it, the cat can't figure out that's not a fly. So I can but believe if the, cat the had a device are that so said, stupid that's a, that's they can't black read. <laughs> the but everybody's computer lab. technology can say there's a black hole out there. Yeah. So what they're saying Keep is the Karathi mind. don't know how to find black holes. <laughs> the, the kill, but no. Which is ironic. This is why it's stupider. The Kilrathi <laughs> just followed him through an anomaly. They followed him through. They're like, he's heading for the anomaly. Chase him. They know what it's like. They chased him through one. <laughs> But it was a cool moment that they all come through the the, the fleets waiting to shoot them all down when they come. I did enjoy that, that the fleet is just basically killing them at the spawn point. And they can't call back (laughs) to say, don't come through. Yes. That's a really good video game moment. Killing everyone at the spawn point. That's that's camping right there. Good for them. And apparently the the ship that followed him through didn't think, (laughs) which deduces, oh no, he's going to go warn them, doesn't jump through to think, huh, we should defend the jump point <laughs> so that they can't be destroyed. They're like, no, kill the one little ship. And, and with all and that, to your point, the Wayne, day is saved. Attack the whole fleet. They're going to attack the whole fleet. 
So they were strong <laughs> enough to defend against the fleet, but they decided, no, let's not do that. This pew, pew. movie hates you. That's all I have <laughs> the to say. Day is in, a saved. War, in, in a war, are you trying to tell me Earth has zero defenses? No ships have ever been designed to protect zero. Earth during a war? <laughs> you don't leave a standing fleet to defend your base. No. Why would they? Nothing. <laughs> the fight is over. The wing has been commanded. Our heroes are victorious. The audience is unfortunately not. I can't recommend this movie, not even as a movie to make fun of. It's not particularly fun, unfortunately. I like some of the aesthetics, but it's not a fun movie. This is my last rant on this movie. (laughs) Is he still going on? (laughs) What this movie is guilty of. We're going to surpass the length of the movie. I know. I know. What this movie is guilty of for me is two, two major, I think, sins. One, it is a bad video game movie. It doesn't do enough, I think, or it assumes you know enough about maybe Wing Commander that you could just jump into this both weeks. I don't think it does a good enough job explaining some of the lore. And according, you know, as Nick said, they just made up some lore with Pilgrims sure that didn't did. exist. Like, why introduce something you didn't need to? But the second sin is it's a bad science fiction movie. <laughs> and so it shoots on two genres of movies in video games and science fiction. It's bad to both. Don't watch it. Wayne. That's the best thing I can say about this movie. <laughs> I just hold true to what I said at the beginning. I think there is an overall story there. Just because it's written bad and casted poorly, it gets completely missed. This could have been a cool film. Absolutely. I think what you the word you said is the best. It's not fun. That's all it is. It's not fun. So I would not recommend it. If I would make a quick suggestion, perhaps they could have made a, a film more closely based off of the games starring Mark Hamill, John Rice davies Malcolm McDowell. You know, the cast from the games. This might be one of the first yeah, movies where modified the, actors. This might be one of the first movies where the porn parody is better. Oh, jeez. What is it? <laughs> Wong Commander? <laughs> no, it's God. Wing Commander. Dong. Oh. It's Dong Commander. It's probably Dong both. Commander. It's probably both. It's Wing Come Ender. Three of them. <laughs> Part Wing Commander. There you go. Wing Commander. Anyway. Yeah. Part 17. <laughs> Terrible. Okay, we're done with those. Jeez. <laughs> God. Well, we thank you all for joining us uh, this particular time, but we're going <laughs> to, when we come back, We're going to tackle another space-themed video game film adaptation, but something decidedly darker. Dead Space Downfall, based off of the Dead Space series of games, where, I mean, if there's any fresh faces when they get in, they won't be fresh when they get out. But I thank you for joining us on Press X Reload. As always, I have been Nick Moore. With me were Wayne Brissett and Mark Adams. Gentlemen, thanks for having us. I'm going to have to do so much bleeding. I'm sure he'll be in a better mood. Catch you next time. See you next time. You've been listening to Press X to Reload. Today's episode featured the voices of Mark Athenis, Wayne Brissett, and Nick Moore. Our theme music was composed by Jack Feerick and performed and realized by Sam Feerick. If you like what you've heard today, subscribe and never miss an episode. Or tell a friend, leave a review, we'll take all the bonus XP we can get. If you have suggestions or feedback, you can contact Nick Moore via his email, retrogamingfool at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next stage.